by faith I know that you will lead. Your hand is ever guiding me. Thank you, Alex. That was a beautiful offering up of worship. Well, as we come to the word tonight, um, I must confess as, as we start that, that I probably wrestled with this text way more than I had anticipated, and hopefully that will result in good fruit for y'all. But as, as I thought of this past couple weeks, it seems like there's been a lot of nostalgia going on. There, for some reason, we, we've been looking a lot back at kind of things that have happened in uh, the church, and, and I think that's for good reason, and I think it's encouraging to see how God has done amazing things. And I remember uh, being a youth here at Carriage Lane, and I remember uh, there was this band called DC Talk out, and they were like all about... Uh, making amazing music, supposedly, uh, but they, they had this song called Jesus Freak, and apparently it was so good they decided that they would remarket uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs uh, to, to kind of, they would update it, and, and that would show the youth of today how to be Jesus Freaks, and I remember taking that book up, and I remember reading it, and I thought to myself, these people are, are crazy. Like, they, these people, like, went through all kinds of weird stuff, and they died for their faith. And I remember as a youth thinking, that's really cool. Maybe, maybe I'll do that in my lifetime. Maybe, maybe that will be in my bucket list. I'll, I'll die a martyr. That, that seems like a worthy, worthy calling. Uh, and as I've, as I've constant, uh, considered these things over the years, I, I think I, I was very short-sighted, in fact, I know I was, uh, looking at uh, the, these uh, wonderful people that have gone before us, these saints uh, throughout, uh, throughout history, in that as I, as I looked at their lives, I think I, I just looked at the, the finish line and, and saw them running across, but I didn't, I didn't realize the amount of trouble that they went through to get to that point. I didn't realize what it would mean to be a Christian uh, in, in life. I think as we look at our culture, uh, as we look at the demise of, of the nation that we're in and, and how it seems to, to go downhill uh, every step of the day, depending on what, what show you watch or, or what you try and hear on the radio, you, you see this, this kind of you know, Lord, what, what's going on here? But then in our, in our own Christian culture, we see this, this kind of marketing force of, you know, if you're a Christian, life is, life is going to be good. Uh, it's going to be easy. It's going to, to have these comforts in it. And I, I'd like to say that, that in my short time in, in this life, that hasn't always been true, that there are nights in which I've really struggled. Uh, there are days in which trouble has come, and, and I don't know what to do with it. Uh, I've, I've really wrestled. It's, it's made me ask some really intense questions. And with those kind of mindset, uh, as, we, as we start to think of that, we come to Psalm 77, which is a how-to manual on how to approach the days of trouble, how to, to get through to the other side. And so tonight, we're going to to look at how do we, um, how do we as Christians prepare 
or how are we going to make it through the days of trouble in our own lives. Uh, to do that, uh, like I said, we're going to be looking at Psalm 77. Uh, this was written by a man named Asaph, uh, and he apparently was a man that could, uh, could say anything. Uh, he could just lay it out there and, and, uh, and be very transparent. Uh, he could say things. Uh, we may have had people like this in our lives that, that you can look to and, and you can ask them what they think, and they don't hold back, sometimes to a fault. Um, but this man, uh, we don't really know too terribly much about it. In fact, this could be just a title that's been given to multiple men throughout. Uh, I personally think that this was a man that, that it was used to lead uh, the, the Lord, um, or Lord, the God's people, and used by the Lord in, in over multiple, uh, multiple seasons in the life of, of Israel. But as we try and, and differentiate, hey, what, what's some of the context? What's going on around before we get to the psalm? I think it's really helpful uh, for us to kind of get that. It, it doesn't clearly say in the psalm. It doesn't give us real specifics. But as we start to look and see some similarities, we see that this particularly has some, some parallels that go along with, the, with the, uh, the, the prophet Habakkuk. And so there's, there's some ideas of, in Habakkuk as, as all of a sudden the nation of Israel uh, is seeing judgment coming. And it's not uh, directly from the Lord, but it's actually the, the nation of Babylon is being called in by the Lord to judge uh, his people. And so uh, many think that this is, this is what uh, Asaph is seeing coming. He's seeing uh, the Lord use Babylon to come in and, and discipline his people. And so there's this, this you know, looming day of trouble that's coming. Uh, others would say, hey, you know, Asaph could be writing this for the nation, but he could also be having the difficult day of trouble himself. He could be seeing all this on the horizon going on with the nation, but he could also be struggling in, the, in, the own, in his own personal ways. He could be looking at, you know, hey, how on earth am I all of a sudden going to be able to worship when the temple that I've gone to is going to be destroyed? How am I going to, to be able to seek the Lord and find him? And so it's, it's very easy for us to relate as we look to the future and as we start to see what we may be struggling with in this day and age. Uh, the, the psalm itself is broken up into four stanzas. If we look at these stanzas, they're separated by these breathing marks or these, these places in which we're supposed to pause and reflect. We call these selahs. Uh, and so in there as well, we also see that there's two stanzas uh, that, that start and then there's a, a shift in there and then two more stanzas. So there's a, a first half and a second half of this psalm. And so as we, as we start to look through the, this psalm, we need to, to recognize that there is this shift in here. And as I read it, we're going to, to look afterwards, and we're going to look at two different kind of main points, is as believers, what, would, what do we do in the day of trouble? And then the second half, we'll look at how do we see God in the day of trouble? Uh, to, to keep everybody engaged as we read this psalm, it's a, a little bit long, but you can, you can start to, to count the number of eyes that you see in the first half, and then as we shift into the second half, start counting the number of views and see if you can see the delineation of the change of the tone of this psalm, but also the, the mindset of Asaph as he's reading it, or as he's writing it. If you would follow along with me, this is uh, Psalm 77 from God's Word. To the choir master, according to Jephthah, a psalm of Asaph, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. 
My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open, so I am, I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and, and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at the end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work. I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm have redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled, the clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder, the arrows flashed on every side, the crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, the lightnings The lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, and yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses. Thus ends the reading of God's word. So as we look to our first main thing, uh, point to consider is, as believers, what do we do in the day of trouble? And I think what we see here at the very beginning is what Asaph does is he cries aloud to God. He starts to pray. He starts to formulate words in his mouth in which he cries out to the Lord. And I think that's what we're all called to do. This is the place in which we're all called to start is crying out to the Lord. But I think in this we'll also see a progression. As we progress through this first part of the psalm, we'll see his eyes all of a sudden get more and more intense. We'll see it, it going from a surface level to, to a spiritual level towards the end. And so as we look in verses 1 through 4, we see this, this surface level aspect where all of a sudden he's crying out with words. So he, he's able to, to verbalize some of these things. But then it changes quickly into moanings. And then it turns into the inability to speak. And then as we look at his body, as we see and think about these, these times in which this, this day of trouble comes and, and we can relate to of, of hey, you know, I, I'm, this, this, is, this is weighing on me. And all of a sudden there's these outstretched hands that, that can't seem to grasp or get hold of anything. And then they're, they're seeing this, this even more of when there's still and there's, there's time to sleep at night. His eyelids are being held by the Lord. All of a sudden, he can't close his mind. It's starting to consume his thoughts in a way that he hadn't been able to consider before. And we see it progress even more, that that all of a sudden it starts moving into this this area of feelings. If we look at at 5 and 6, we see that he says that, I will consider the days of old, the years long ago. 
And, and so we, we start to wonder, well, what is this? And in, in, in many theologians look at this and say, well, he's, he's trying to look to the good old days. He's trying to look back to the days in which things were easier, to the days in which he wasn't in the, the, the areas of or the day of trouble. And so he's, he's grasping for these, these ways in which he can, he can meditate on them, the ways in which he can think of them. And there's, there's a particular danger that, that he's running into here is, is as he's thinking of these days of old, as he's thinking of these, these things that have happened, all of a sudden it starts to bring up in his mind questions. And as we, as we move on, we start to see that these questions turn into what his, his heart is really wrestling with. And these questions are very real. They're very raw. They're ones in which we might look at and say, if I was to ask those questions in a genuine way, would people really consider where my faith is? Would they, would they be okay with that? Or would they, would they maybe get uncomfortable and, and want to get out of the room or, or just say, okay, you know, hopefully, hopefully the Lord will see you through it. But, but Asaph, he, he doesn't care. He's like, I'm, I'm going to take this to the Lord. I'm, I'm going to see this because I'm, I'm headed down this pathway and I need an answer. I need to figure out how to get through to tomorrow. And how do I do this? And so he starts asking these questions. He starts asking, God, do you not like me anymore? Do you, do you not love me anymore? You know, are, are your promises that you have made throughout all these generations to me, are, are they not good anymore? Do you not have enough grace for even me now? Can, can you not show me compassion? Are, are all these things gone? And so as, as we are starting to see these, we start to see the depth of Asaph. We start to see where he is at and where he's, he's struggling, what he's looking to and what he's trying to wrestle with. We also see that there is a whole lot of the word or, or the pronoun used of I. He's, he's trying to do all these things. And so as we, as we start to look at this, we need to start to consider ourselves. Well, you know, when we're in the day of trouble, what, what are we going to start looking to? And of course, you know, we, we start to, to look at the things that are easily around us. I, I know that when, when trouble comes towards me, I, I want distractions. I want, I want to avoid those things. I don't want to think about them anymore uh, because they hurt and they, they're, they're, they're painful. But as I, as I start to, to think about that, I, I start to wonder oftentimes when, when I go to sleep, uh, do I do I do I take the easy way out too often? Or am I, am I actually going to allow my mind to go down this pathway so that I seek the Lord? Do I, even, do I even start this pathway to start seeking the Lord in the day of trouble? Or am I too soon to, to look to the world and to try and find comfort here? And, and that can be any number of things that we could do. But as we, as we move forward in our own lives, we start to think about our feelings. We think about the ways in which the Lord has blessed us over the years. We think back of, of the, good, the good old days. I've had several jobs, and it's been interesting. Most of the time when I show up, uh, most of the time people will say, well, right before you came was the good old days. You just missed it. And I'm like, man, again. Um, I hope that doesn't happen here. I've been here long enough that I can maybe say both of those. Um, so the good old days, you know, we, we look to those, and we look to the times in which we saw God working in our lives. What, is that, what do the good old days normally mean for us? It's when we felt comfortable. It's for when things were easy, when the Lord was giving us what we wanted and what we felt like we needed. And so every, you know, our health was good. Our, our relationships were good. Our, all of a sudden, what, what we, we prayed for, we felt like the Lord was answering us. And then all of a sudden, if that shifts, 
and we start to go back and we start to be in a season of life where the Lord is, is taking us down a different pathway, when the day of trouble starts to, to appear and we start to appeal to just those things, what do we start to recognize? Well, we're not getting those things anymore. And so we start asking these questions. And so we start asking our, our heart questions of, well, do, do I really believe God, are you really good in this? Because this, these good things aren't happening into me. I, I thought we had a deal. This is, this is where, as, as Christians, we kind of have this, this karma thing that we deal with, is God is going to be good to me as long as I'm good to him. This is a workspace mentality, and we're confronted with it here because all of a sudden it doesn't really matter what we're doing. We're actually being confronted with what the Lord is doing in our lives and so that's, that's where we start to move into our next point, is how do we see God and how do we particularly find comfort in the way in Him in the day of trouble? And so if we look at this, we have to start talking to ourselves. Uh, there's a shift here that we see that if you look at Asaph's prayer, someone question, is that even really a prayer? Who is he praying to? Because in this, he says, I cry out to the Lord, but it's like he's having a dialogue with himself. He's conversing with himself. He's trying to well up in him all of these things of how it's going to get better, of how these things are going to work, and, and he keeps coming up short. But then in, in verse 10, we see that there's this shift. All of a sudden, he says in there, I will appeal this to the years of the right hand of the Most High. So all of a sudden, he says, I, I'm going to look at the Lord. He's been brought low enough that all of a sudden his gaze shifts off of I and it goes to the Lord, to the great I am. So what, what, are, what are the ways? How, do, how can we look at this and start to, to understand and see in our own lives? How can when we start asking those difficult questions, how can we shift into, Lord, I, I want to see you. I don't want to be in these other, these deep questions and these hard ones for very long. I want to come and I want to be at, at your feet, and I want to see you. And we see here, it says, yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder on all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Well, the question is, what are those? He's talked before about, hey, I'm going to remember the days of old, the years long ago. Well, we can see here that there's a differentiation. There's, there's something that he's talking about here that, that has greater clarity. He clarifies it later, but he, he's looking to the scriptures, He's looking to the Word of God and saying, you know, I, I need to look to not just my circumstances, but I need to look to the Lord. I need to dig in and I need, I need to be rooted in the Word of God. And so, so do we. We need to be in the Word. We need to, to remember the mighty works, the mighty deeds in which He's doing, not only in, in our lives, but in the, this creation, in His history, in His story that He has, he has put before us. And so as we, as we see this, we also see that there is this, this shift where he starts to grow a little more patient, where he starts to, we start to see, see some of the parallels of Habakkuk coming in here, where, where there's this idea of him waiting on the watchtower and waiting to see with what the Lord is going to do. There becomes this patience of, of I, I'm, I'm starting to see the holiness of God. I'm starting to recognize that, that my place is far lower than I, used, than I, than I thought it was. And, and as, I'm, as I'm seeing God, as I'm starting to see the, the word and how he's revealed himself in it, I'm starting to, to understand that, that I don't have a whole lot to go on here. I don't have a whole lot of, 
of, of this, this holiness that God has. This is different. And so there's this, this holiness that's being exhibited here and this, this idea of, of waiting. But then we see it as it, 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 as it as it grows and as this progression grows even more. As all of a sudden we see him at the end say, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And so there's this, this tie-in where he's all of a sudden looking and saying, okay, you know, the nation of Israel, they were called out of the land of Egypt. And as we, as we think of the land of, er, we think of the Israel when they're in the land of Egypt, they had been there for 400 years. Why was the reason that they were there for 400 years? It's because God had put them there. And so as they're there, all of a sudden they're in this, they're in this, this craziness of this, this world that they've known. It's felt very comfortable to them. They haven't necessarily wanted to leave, but God has come in. He's heard their cry, and he's pulled them out and said, you're going with me. And as he leads them out, all of a sudden they find themselves between the Red Sea and their, their, their owners of sorts. And their owners are coming at them with, with chariots, with arrows, with swords, and they're not coming to, to greet them with encouragement, but to bring them with with death. If they head to the Red Sea, then they'll probably drown. If they wait there, then all of a sudden they're there. And so all of a sudden we see in verses 16 through 20 that, that he's appealing to this thought. He's looking at this days of old of what has happened and how the Lord provided a way out in this time of trouble for the nation of Israel. And in this, as we, as we meditate and as we think of the ways in which the Lord has done this, we, we start to see that that there are some, some things here that are pretty amazing. As we, as we read this, it, it doesn't really go in the same order or the same way in which a lot of our, our children's books do. Uh, when we read the, the Exodus story, there's, there's not quite as much detail as this, but we, some people would say, well, maybe this is an embellishment. Um, others would say, you know, Exodus was written to a particular audience, audience for a purpose, and this probably might have been left out. And that's the one that I would think. As, as we think about this, we start to think about how all of a sudden, as, as, they, as they feel pressed, as they, as they feel the world and the day of trouble coming in on them, and the skies grow dark, and it seems like all is lost, all of a sudden, God shows up. All of a sudden, the ground starts to shake. All of a sudden, the waters start to part. And it's not a quiet thing. It's not this peaceful, serene thing in which all of a sudden, hey, this is it. But, but you hear, and you, can, you can imagine as he's saying this, that, that the skies gave forth thunder, that the arrows flashed on every side. The crash of thunder was, was in the whirlwind, and the, your lightnings lighted up the world. This was, this was a show of God's power. All of a sudden, it's on display for all to see, and here's the nation of Israel he doesn't even really understand that it's a nation yet, and the sea opens up, and they pass through. And as we start to think of that, we see at the very end here this very comforting last verse. It says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses. And this is, this is the part in which Asaph is really clinging on to, this part to realize that he is he's a sheep. He is, he is part of God's flock and that there is a great shepherd who is leading him through this day of trouble. This is the part in which we cling hold of. As we start to recognize God's holiness, we start to see who he is, we are also drawn close to him, and we start to realize that, that all of the, the answers to these questions 
at the beginning here in verses 7 through 9 have an answer. And they're an answer that brings him great comfort, that brings him great joy. And in our own lives, as we, as we look to this, we have, we have such a greater hope. We have such a greater and more clear thing in which we can see. As, as Alex saying, we have, we have a high priest who is interceding for us at the right hand of God, who humbled himself and who had dark nights of the soul. He had days of trouble. As we think about it, we think oftentimes that we're alone, that we're the only ones that have ever experienced the trouble that is coming to us in our lives. And in the reality, we don't even feel like we can go to the Lord because he wouldn't understand. And how foolish is that of us? How foolish of us is it not to keep going through the progression and start to realize that, yeah, we need to to ask those questions. We need to cry out. But in that, we're going to come to Jesus. He's the... He is the God-man who is holding the whole universe, everything that we know and see together by the power of his word. And yet, the night before he was betrayed, the night before he was, was executed, he was praying. He was praying sweats of blood, drops of blood for his work to be finished. He did everything perfectly. And as, as we start to think of that, we're starting to, to realize what the Lord has done for us. And we start to all of a sudden become filled with hope because we know that as the days of trouble come, we have a, a prophet, a priest, and a king who is working in our lives. He is, he is doing a good work in us, and all of a sudden the things of this world start to draw to, to grow dim. All of a sudden, those diagnoses, all of a sudden, those, those things in which are troubling us so much that we can't get them out of our mind, all, the time, all of a sudden, those, those moments of depression in which we can't seem to shake, or the sadness in our lives in which we, we can't get around, or the, the idea of, hey, I thought it was going to go this way. I thought this was the way I was going to enjoy life. I thought this is what God was doing in my life. And all of a sudden, when we're pressed and we're squished and we don't see a way out, we are able to recognize there is a way. There's a way in which we need to wait on the Lord and we need to see what he's going to do. We need to see the way in which he's going to lead us. And unlike oftentimes we hear from, from churches, is that way isn't always comfortable. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy thing for these Israelites to all of a sudden walk through two walls of water with a lightning storm and the ground shaking around. It wasn't an easy thing for Jesus to hang on the cross to pay for our sins, to be able to take on all of our sins, and not only that, but to give us his perfect righteousness. That wasn't an easy thing. And for us to think that in some way our lives might be different, I think is, is foolish. I know it is. And so as we, as we start to see these things, we start to realize that in our day of trouble, not only will we be comforted, but we're also able to display God's power and his glory more clearly. And we're able to see that no matter whatever the answer is to how he's going to get us through to the other side, he's good and he is faithful. So with that, let me close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this wonderful gift uh, the gift that you used a man who, who was in a day of trouble, uh, who, who opened up and who uh, fearfully cried out to you and went through this progression in his mind, went through this hardship uh, in his heart, 
and cried out and asked questions that were difficult, ones in which we've wrestled with, ones in which we may wrestle with uh, even more in our own lives. And Lord, you ministered to him. You came to him and you revealed yourself. And so tonight we ask that you would reveal yourself to us. Lord, we pray that you would be with those that that don't know you. Lord, may you reveal yourself to them. May they see you for who you are and may they be reminded. Uh, may we be reminded of who you are. And may we be prepared for whatever lies ahead and may we give you all the more glory for it. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. It's very encouraging that not only uh, do, we, do we get to see the Lord 